Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, welcome back. We taped a, well, I say we, I taped a midweek episode. Uh, You and I were both under the weather, but we are both finally feeling much, much better. So that is a good thing. But Bonnie, um, what a week to be sick because honestly, outside of some snow in Denver, not a whole lot's happened the last couple days. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really boring. I mean, we got some rain the midweek last week and there were a few rumbles of thunder in that um but that's that's basically it we're going to get a freeze coming up this tuesday and but other than that it's just kind of bleh. yeah you know nothing wrong with just being meh or blah or whatever you want to call it but um <laughs> as i talked about on our midweek update you know out here in the pacific northwest we were looking at elevated fire danger we're still kind of are uh, and we had that persistent east wind set up, and I talked about it, how it was very synoptically driven and not necessarily, you know, driven by the Columbia River Gorge. But, Bonnie, it's been very weird to be in April, temperatures in the 80s, and a high fire danger. Yeah, and no, you know, severe weather threat anywhere in right. the country. It's just been very... Um, very weird, and I actually saw some different people talking about that on Twitter. Um, you know, because you and me both follow millions of weather-related people, so yes, we do. Um, there was a few talking and saying that they're almost ready to ride off the chase season, and I think that that's jumping the gun a little bit. I mean, May has not even got here, and that is a prime time, you know. Right, especially for the planes. Uh, we've seen Dixie Alley being plenty of active. I mean. You know, we even talked about the last few weeks, multiple tornado days, multiple, you know, uh, outlooks from SPC, multiple large tornadoes on the ground, several fatalities. Um, Obviously, we don't ever want to see a death when we do have tornadoes, but uh, Dixie Alley and the Southern chase season has been pretty active so far. Yeah, it's been quite the last four or five days, but even with that said, any day that you get a tornado is a busy day. Because you have to have, you know, the ability to have those thunderstorms create the tornadoes. And so, you know, it's still extremely busy. There's no doubt about it. But I, if people are starting to write off your chase season already, uh, we might want to sit down and have a conversation with them because it's way too early. Yeah, yeah. And you can't base a, a slow two weeks. It's literally been just over two weeks of April, you know. So you can't assume that oh it's dead the spring season is dead the chase season is dead just like we always say you can't predict how active one season is going to be based on how active the season before it was it's right. the same thing you can't base one month's activity based on the month's activity before and the perfect example is march was super active and now april's not really that active so you know if we were basing it off the previous month we would have assumed april would be so we really have no idea what may and the first part of June have in store. Right. And, you know, we all know this. Weather and climate and patterns go in a pattern, right? There are times where it's very active and times where it's very quiet. Listen, the atmosphere cannot sustain 
constant severe weather day in and day out. I'm sure it could with the right parameters, but for the most part, as we see, you know, there are times where it's quiet. You know, we talked about, gosh, last year, Rossby Ways, right? You know, you can have a period of a week to two weeks where you might have beautiful weather dominated by high pressure, but eventually that has to go away because you have waves of energy that are moving across the globe. It's, you know, we laugh and say, if you don't like the weather somewhere, wait five minutes and change. Obviously, we can expand that out to days or weeks, but you can't judge something, as you just said, based on what happened the month before. It just doesn't work exactly. that way. You know, there's, exactly. an, yeah, we have an adage up here in the Pacific Northwest. One of our guys in our weather association, a TV guy, says if you, in the winter and fall seasons, if you get a, a windstorm, snow will fall guaranteed in the lowlands at least 45 days later. Now, that is the most insane prediction thing I've ever heard. I laugh at it every time I hear it, but then again, I've also seen it happen. So, why it might just be a fluke, which I think it is. Sometimes, you know, things can happen on a cycle basis. So maybe, you know, the South has finally dried out. Maybe they get a chance to relax and rebuild before the next, you know, round of storms come in. And again, you look at the Storm Prediction Center today, not much happening across the country. There are maybe four areas that they're watching for thunderstorms, and only one of them is marginal. And within the marginal, it's like, eh, they might get an isolated supercell or two. Eh, okay. It's in Florida. Florida gets thunderstorms this time of year. They get thunderstorms most times of the year. But with that said, that's kind of it. Yes, some storms that are moving across, you know, portions of Oklahoma, Texas, into Missouri and Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Indiana. But again, nothing that's going to be severe. So... Maybe it's a maybe it's a good thing to be quiet for the month of April. Maybe May will come in and it will be one of those years that we look back on and say, my gosh, you know, 2021 was such a great chase season, uh, especially the early chase season once we finally got into the plains. So maybe it will. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we just have to wait. And honestly, let's let the Storm Prediction Center and everybody take a break when they can. Sure. Because also hurricane season, you know, coming up really soon and. You know, I know we can't base anything off the previous season, but last season was beyond active, so you never know. It could be that way now, and they might not get a break for a while. So let's all enjoy the calmness for a moment because you never know what the next week or two weeks or month hold. Exactly, and again, let's take a step back. Let's take a deep breath. Let's relax. Let's enjoy it. Let's see what happens. Because, again, listen, if you're going to sit there and say, okay, well, chase season, we're writing it off, uh, just based on what we already saw in Dixie Alley, I'd already say Chase season was a was a smashing success. Right, it got off to a crazy running start. So, yeah, like there's, I don't think that it's anything to be written off exactly. No, I don't either. I think it's way too early. But let's just let's just wait and see what happens. But I could be wrong. Um, one thing I did want to talk about real quick. We should have covered it on the show midweek update, but I didn't. Um, 1934, the highest wind speeds ever recorded in the continental U.S. were recorded at Mount Washington Observatory. 231 miles an hour. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Man, just like wind, not like out of a storm, just like nope, wind. Just, just wind. 
Wow. So that to me is something that's very, very interesting. And I sat back and I looked at him like, okay, all right, I see you. Um, but that's a long time ago. I mean, 1934 is, you know, we're coming up on doing the math here. What? 87 years ago. And, you know, we talked about on our show two weeks ago, the increase of technology, how things are, you know, more observational or things are observed in a better manner. But you would think at some point we would have a higher wind speed than that. Yeah, or at least the same or, or close to that, you know. Right. So, um, wow, that is crazy. Like, and for that record to not have been broken in, what did you say, like 84 years? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. And and with all the instruments and technology, like you said, that we have, you would think that we would have recorded that at some point somewhere already. So, wow. So very interesting. But, man, I saw that. I was yeah. like, all right, this is going to be this is going to be cool. So, um, yeah, just a while ago. Long time. Very long time. Long time ago, very high wind. and that But that was way high up, though, high elevation. Yeah, so Mount Washington uh, in New Hampshire. Let me make sure I get the facts right on this because it is important. See what happens? We do live, <laughs> live research here on B squared. So, yeah, Mount Washington in New Hampshire sits at 6,288 feet. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I wonder what was going on in the atmosphere that high up to make the wind go that right. fast. It's a really good question. It was a really, I guess really we'll never know because it was 84 years ago. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have to get. Yep. Okay. So, 231 miles an hour, big wind day. So, if you go to the Mount Washington Observatory website, which is mountwashington.org, there is a placard and a piece of history that says it. So, okay. All right. So on April 12th, 1934, their determination paid, uh, they're talking about uh, people that had um, come up with the observatory. They wanted to understand the weather, climate, and Mount Washington. Uh, on April 12th, 1934, determination paid off when the observatory recorded the words, world's fastest surface wind speed ever observed by man, 231 miles an hour. The value of a permanent mountaintop station was recognized, and the Mount Washington Observatory was established as a private nonprofit organization to observe and maintain a record of weather data, perform weather and climate research, and foster public understanding of the mountain and its environment. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Blow, baby, like, blow. Cool things come from people just wanting to learn more, and then it turns into something big and something permanent and something right. that's now constantly referenced. And you know what I mean? So that's really awesome. And that's, I mean, that's how all scientific knowledge has come about is just curiosity. So that's really cool that it paid off. Agreed. 100%. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about, and I think is really important, and we hadn't had a chance to get to this, but you just mentioned we are getting ready to get into hurricane season. Well, effective this year, we have new climate base models and new climate base numbers for how we judge an active storm season. From 1981 to 2010, that 30-year period, the average was 12 named storms, 6 hurricane and three major hurricanes. 
NOAA has gone through and now updated their average Atlantic hurricane season to reflect data from 1991 to 2020. The only change here is we see an increased number of named storms from 12 to 14. We see one more increase of hurricanes from 6 to 7, and three major hurricanes remain as the average. So, over the rolling year, you know, 30-year average, we bump everything up. Great. So we go from 12 named storms to 14, from six hurricanes to seven, three major hurricanes across the board. So that 30-year period, again, it updates every 10 years. But, all right, you know, that works. I'm I'm okay with that. Well, that means that that 10 years after 2010 was active enough to raise those averages. Right. So, wow, that's. I mean, I think that's kind of impressive because 10 years is not that much. You know, that's just 10 hurricane seasons. Right. And there was enough activity to bring it up one more full storm. So, hmm. Yep. And again, you know, people are pointing out, well, hold up here. You know, we had 29, sta- 29 name storms in 2005. We had 30 name storms last season. And I was like, well, no, obviously your numbers are not right. You need to change them. It's like, no, these are averages, guys. Because we've had, as we talked about in the show, periods where we go through and we see very few actual hurricanes. We see very yeah. few named storms. Now, is the National Hurricane Center more apt to name a tropical depression or a tropical uh, wave? Maybe. And again, it's all based on the characteristics, right? Do they meet the criteria to achieve a name? So, are those numbers possibly skewed? They could be, but... Uh, I'm going to say unlikely. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it is very unlikely. Um, remind me the the criteria for when it gets its name. So I believe. Storm. Yeah. So I believe that once it, I believe once it reaches forecast strength to either continue on or start to pose a risk to life and property is when they will name it. Uh, So obviously, you know, a storm out in the Atlantic is not going to get named until one, it's, you know, characteristics are that of a tropical wave slash tropical storm. So organized area thunderstorms, um, organized area of low pressure, an eye wall, you know, obviously textbook hurricanes are going to get the names. But um, for the most part, it is once it receives that designation of is the storm structure intact and Will it impact life or property? I believe are the two criteria for naming the storms. That makes sense. Yeah. And and last season, how many names did we get? Uh, we had t- 30. Whew. Man. That was the whole alphabet and then some. <clears throat> exactly. And again, remember, we went into the Greek alphabet. And yeah. we went deep into the Greek alphabet. And we talked about the changes that are coming to that where we won't retire Greek names anymore. We'll have to put a designation on it. So Tropical Storm Alpha 2021 or Hurricane, you know, Beta 2027. Which I think that's good. And our alphabet, we leave out the Z and the Q, right? Yes. So it's not our full alphabet. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so according to EarthSky.org, uh, storms receive a name 
when they display the rotating circular pattern and wind speeds of 39 miles an hour. So, again, when it has the structure and has the characteristics of it. All right. When it gets a little swirly and it gets up to 39. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's good. Yeah, there we go. Uh Saw some great videos yesterday on YouTube. If you have not had the chance on it, we will tweet this out, or at least I will on our on our weather page on Twitter at Weather Podcast. Uh, Noah has sent a bunch of their research airplanes uh, up to Florida for Fun in the Sun, which is a giant air show that takes place every year. And so they have a bunch of their pilots do a walk around. It was really cool. Well, they have their Gulfstream, I believe it's a G5, that has been gutted and created for weather research and they have their female pilot walk around this woman is a total badass by the way so just watching her explain the things on the plane are cool but it goes into depth about what they do inside the plane and how missions work and it's fascinating it's definitely worth the 12 to 15 minutes to watch like i said i'll tweet the link out on our twitter page at weather podcast go take a look at it if you've ever wanted to see inside this plane it's pretty legit um, obviously we've, most of us, uh, weather fanatics have seen the inside of the hurricane hunters, you know, the P3 Orion or the C one thirties, but this is a really cool look inside the Gulf stream. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's built as a business jet and a private jet, but Noah had gutted it and, you know, they put a, a TDR that, uh, tail mounted Doppler radar on. So you get a really good sense of how that works. And then, you know, they show where they use the drops ons and how that functions and, uh, it's just it's really fascinating to watch, and they go into some mission planning as well. So how they plan their flights and how they coordinate all that stuff. It's uh, it was really fascinating to watch, and like I said, it's definitely worth the watch if you're into you know checking that stuff out. It's it's definitely worth your time. That sounds really cool. I love planes. I don't know why they they kind of scare me, but they also really fascinate me. And I love air shows. And Will Rogers here in Oklahoma City used to do air shows pretty regularly. I don't know if they still do, but as a kid, we went, you know, almost yearly for a long time. Right. And I love air shows. They're just so cool. They're one of my favorite things. I have a very, very deep love of all things Blue Angels, all things U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds. Um, Stunt pilots are epic. (laughs) Talk about a bunch of badass people. I mean, hey, let's go, you know, strap ourselves into a plane. Let's go fly and let's make these things do things they're not designed to. So let's roll. Yeah. Let's push them to the limits a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) It is pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah. When you tweet out that link, I'm going to watch it. That's for sure. It's coming right now, actually. So. Boom. Coming down in three. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome into B square. Oh, wait. Never mind. (laughs) A little deja vu. <laughs> yeah, I can't make you laugh because you're still coughing. So I know. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's a picture of a cute piggy. <laughs> His name is Button <laughs> or Aww. Buttons. Yeah, I can't retweet it though. It's a private account that I follow. Well, that's just a bummer. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to retweet the cute piggy named Button. Yes, we did. I'll see if I can find a way to do that. But uh, no, but you're right. I mean, stuff like that. You know, weather. Aviation, all that stuff goes hand in hand, and yeah, it's really cool to see inside the Hurricane Hunters and how they go through and make all that stuff work, and I was just like, man, this is pretty legit. So, again, we'll tweet it wow. out. We'll get that uh, posted here real quick, and then uh, we'll go from there. But Well, and you know, my my 
favorite plane, which is kind of random, but I really love AWAC planes. Interesting. Okay. And I just, I don't know, because they've got that big radar on top, and I know that they're not really used for weather, but they can be. But it's just, I don't know. They're just, they're just so cool, and that big radar thing on the top. I don't know. I'm just weird. And when I was going to Rose State, and I mean, I'm still going, but when I was going and I was on campus, Rose State is like seconds away from Tinker Air Force Base. Right. And I would be sitting out in the parking lot and I would watch all these, like, I guess they're doing drills in these AWAC planes and they'd be flying low and they would be doing really sharp turns and really sharp, like, you know, ascend and descending patterns and things like that and they would be like bobbing and weaving and I'm like man these are like really big planes but they kind of are doing some cool stuff and then I'm like why are they training to do this like what do they do out in the real world not training that would require them to do these kind of maneuvers so I just thought that that was really cool and it was fun to watch them I will say this when I was going to Mount Hood Community College so I used to commute every day 36 miles one way to school and I did that for two years and I would drive from Beaverton the city I live in now out to Gresham which is on the far east side of the metro Um, I loved it one because the commute wasn't too bad even though I had to sit in traffic a little bit but because I knew when weather would be happening it'd be happening on campus so Gresham is located out near Troutdale near the mouth of the Columbia River Gorge more susceptible to snow more susceptible to ice And so I knew, okay, I had to drive all this distance, and chances are they'd probably close campus in the event of weather. So that was cool. But I also knew that, you know, on days where it would be borderline, it'd still be really cold out there. They'd have a better chance of snow and ice than I would on the west side of the metro. In between the two was Portland International Airport. I cannot tell you how often I would take my lunch breaks and drive out and just watch planes land or take off. Yeah. And two-thirds of my video degree videos that I have are based on stuff at the airport. <laughs> That's awesome. It was. I, I became kind of a subject magic uh, matter subject matter expert on all things airplanes in Portland International Airport. We have this smaller airport. It's really small, and it's called Wiley Post, and it's here in Central Oklahoma as well. And they have this little cafe. What's it called? Uh, it's called the Runway Cafe. And you can go and sit in it, and a lot of the tables are lined up on this wall that are, it's all windows on this wall that are up next to a runway. And you can watch these planes land and take off. It's littler planes. It's not like big, you know, passenger right. jet liner planes or like the big FedEx planes or anything like that. It's like littler ones, but it's really cool to just be sitting there eating your breakfast, which was a good breakfast. And and just watching planes take off and land. It was it was really cool. Those are the days, you know, when you're a kid and you just live in life, enjoying things. Love it. So true. So true. Um, the airport that's closest to me is the Hillsborough Airport. Now, the Port of Portland, which operates Portland International Airport, also operates a handful of other small little regional airports, plus the actual, like, ship port. So they oversee PDX, they oversee Troutdale, they oversee Hillsborough, which is the closest one to me. They oversee uh, Aurora, and I believe they oversee one other airport, maybe Milano. So small little regional airports. Well, the Hillsborough Airport is the second largest in the area, and so this is where you get a lot of your original business traffic. And this is where the Blazers used to fly into before they moved everything out to PDX. But you get, you know, 
a bunch of really cool planes that come into Hillsboro. It's where they had the air show for a long time. They've moved it to McMinnville, which is to the south now, just for a couple of years while they're rebuilding some runways and repaving and doing some modernization out of Hillsboro. But like Nike's corporate jets are based in Hillsboro, and their hangar is along one of the busy roads that everybody travels. And Nike's hangar is cool because the side that faces the street is all glass. So when you drive by, you can see their three planes inside. And one belongs to Phil Knight, and the other two are used for corporate Nike travel. But it's cool because you can just drive by and like, oh, okay, Phil Knight's plane's here. Or, oh, somebody from Nike must be out somewhere because they park them inside this hangar, and you can see into it. And it's really cool just the way that they park. They have their... The two corporate jets are parked at an angle, and then Phil Knight's private jet is pulled directly in nose first. And so all three of these planes are just sitting there, and it's just it's really cool to go up and look at. Um, on the other side of the airport, a radio station used to be in one of the buildings in the terminal, and I would go in and do some freelance work for them, and a buddy of mine programmed the station. It was great because you could literally go just sit at this radio station, and their main studio and console overlooked the tarmac. Oh, that's cool. So that's could, so awesome. Oh, it was cool. So you can see planes come in all the time, and it's it's funny. That radio station is why I kind of fell in love with radio initially because I would go listen to the air show, and when the air show was in its heyday, it was broadcast on the radio. And people were like, well, what do you mean it's broadcast on the radio? Like the, the PA announcers who were talking about the planes, you know, all that audio, and they broadcast it out, and it was a big deal for the county that I grew up in and I currently live in. And so it was just really funny. The first time I applied for a job in radio and was hired. I didn't know that the guy would end up being my boss. I just thought he was a host. And he was like, oh, hi, my name is James Derby. And I was like, oh, I know you. And he goes, how do you know me? I'm like, you used to do traffic for the air show. And he just looked at me and started busting up laughing. He goes, oh, all right. And it's funny. I went like, you know, I, I knew how, who all these people were just on, because I'd listen to them every year. And it was the only time I really listened to that station. But it was just, it was quite comical. And, you know, come to find out a couple of my closest radio friends were those guys that I listened to for a long time. I was just like, oh my God, I totally know who you are. You did this, this, and then just like, yeah, bro, you know me from doing traffic or you know me by doing air show play by play. Like, yep, pretty much. (laughs) He was like, wow, I wish you knew me for doing the bigger thing. Right, exactly. Hey, but you know what though? That's when he made an impact on you. So it's, you know, that's like, Steve Carano, like he made an impact on me coming to my right. school to just talk about weather safety. It wasn't because he was on TV that I knew him initially. You know what I mean? So it's like when you're young, just weird things impact you in weird ways, you know? So It's true. It is totally true. I mean, I can go through the list of, you know, the TV meteorologists here in town who, you know, shaped my love of weather and the reason why, you know, I do this show and the reason why I am a weather geek, I can trace back to different events with them and, It's just, it is fascinating. That's why I still like, you know, doing all of this stuff because it's all tied in. You know, we all love our little, you know, habits and quirks and hobbies and it's pretty cool. Not going to lie. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we're a bunch of nerds. That's great. But you know what? Everybody has the things that they really love and they, you know, nerd out with and, you know, things that they truly enjoy. And that's, that's what makes life interesting because if we didn't have hobbies or little quirks, we'd all be pretty boring and life wouldn't be fun. Exactly. 
Exactly. And I, I like being a nerd, a nerd for weather and a sort of a nerd for planes a little bit. So I'm good with it. <laughs> well, I mean, I love the fact that your favorite airplane is, you know, an AWAC. That's pretty, that's pretty legit. <laughs> I mean, it, it plays. It's so weird. I just never thought I'd have a favorite plane. Like when I was growing up as a kid, I just never thought one day I would have a favorite plane, you know, uh, but I do. <laughs> sure. I mean, my, my favorite just on a base model is the Boeing 747. It's very iconic. It's just... It looks cool. It, you know, screams awesomeness. Um, you know, part of my, you know, love and fascination with that comes down to Air Force One. I think it's the coolest plane that's ever been built. I have a dream that I will fly on that one day, and I fully believe that will happen. But with that said, you know, it's pretty cool that, you know, you have your little favorites. And, you know, again, I come from uh, an area of the country where I have Boeing in my backyard. They're just 180 miles north of where I live, but I've never seen a 747 up close in person until about maybe 14 years ago. So when I was like 26 and, you know, it was just one of those things where, okay, that's, that's, you know what it was. I will say this. I've seen air force one in person up close four times now, twice of it wow. were them flying over. Um, Last time I saw it in Oregon, uh, President Obama was speaking at Nike, and they just came in on a really weird, like, approach, and again, because I'm an aviation nerd, you know, I know the pretty routine uh, routes that incoming planes will fly to PDX. Well, sure enough, I looked up, I was like, man, that plane looks really weird and out of place, and then all of a sudden I realized, hey, wait, that's Air Force One. It can do whatever it wants. So... You know, we're going to fly and take a visual tour over Nike, then go land at PDX and stay at the airbase. Great. So that's pretty legit. Um, but, you know, occasionally I will fo I follow accounts that are people that work at Portland International Airport. And one day a guy tweets out, hey, we have a United 747 that's just here parked on on the runway. And I was like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, they're using it to it's a private shuttle that they're using to take a group of people from Portland somewhere. And I was like, that's really cool. All right. Wow. Yeah. But just nerd nerd stuff like that. Um, I've seen a Dreamliner, uh, or I haven't seen a Dreamliner. I've seen the Dream Lifter, which is a modern which is a modified Boeing seven forty seven that is uh it is used in the production of the seven eight seven Dreamliner to transport the fuselage and wings. And if you've never seen a photo of the Dream Lifter, go check it out. Obviously, you know what a 747 looks like. It's got the, you know, the classic hump and then it comes down and then it, you know, tapers off to the tail. Well, the Dreamlifter has a giant bubble on top of it. It's a 747 that's been modified to fit very large pieces of another airplane inside. So just Google Dreamlifter. I've seen it. Um, I was actually on the front page of the Oregonian because I was taking video because I knew that it was in town at the Boeing facility out at PDX. And I knew it was leaving that afternoon, so I literally just sat there with a camcorder and a still camera and waited for this thing to take off. And the Oregonian wow. happened to take a photo of me taking a photo of an airplane. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so one of the you know six or seven times I've been on the cover of the of the local newspaper. So, wow, yeah, that is awesome. I'll take it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Still sticking with aviation, the movie The Aviator is really good. I don't know if you've, if you've seen it. I have not. I want to. It's on my list. It is so good. Honestly, I'll, I'm going to just be honest. 
I don't watch it very much anymore because there's a crack scene in it that is just, well, it just gets me. And I just, it makes my tummy turn. I can't watch that scene. And so I still watch it. But it is a really good movie. And Leonardo DiCaprio did a really good job. So watch it. That's your homework today. Watch it. (laughs) I will definitely do that. I will definitely, definitely do that. Oh, man. That's how you know the weather's boring, because we just spent this whole podcast talking about airplanes. Yeah, so but that's okay. Everybody. <laughs> that's okay. Um, one app that is really cool, if you guys are into aviation, is Live ATC, where you can go through and listen to air traffic control from every airport and every regional control center across the U.S. and other parts of the world. Uh, it is fascinating. I love listening to air traffic control. I think it is an incredible thing that uh, keeps us safe. It's you know, it's one of those things that yeah, we need to put some money into. We need to help you know recruit people to be air traffic controllers because it is a very stressful job. If you ever seen the movie called Pushing Tin, which is about air traffic controllers, uh, you'll understand. But uh, ATC to me has always been something that's extremely fascinating. Uh, Secretly, I've always wanted to work at the airport just because I've always wanted to be around planes. But, man, just air traffic control to me is just one of those things that just it it just makes me smile when I sit there and I listen to a plane. Yeah. And, you know, I looked into being an air traffic controller at one point and I did a lot of research and looking at qualifications. And there's a lot of qualifications and a lot of requirements and things. And. It is a very stressful job, like you said, and there's actually a really high suicide rate with that job, and it, it, it's, it can just be really crazy. So the people who do that, I, you know, props to them because they have a very, very tough, mentally taxing job. It's very true. It is very true. I mean, you are single-handedly responsible for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people throughout the course of your career, mm-hmm. getting them safely from point A to point B. Yeah. And that's, you know, when something happens, that's that's what makes air traffic controllers contemplate or follow through with taking their own life because they just feel so much guilt and pressure and stress and worry. And, I you know, whew. so I don't know. You know, I don't think I was mentally strong enough to do it or I didn't want to risk anything. You know what I mean? So I just I, I decided to not to. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. It's, you know. I, I'm all for being at my best in stressful situations when I need to be. However, the constant stress I don't think would be something I could handle for a long time. Exactly. Yeah, like that prolonged stressful feeling all the time. Yeah, it's, it's different than just handling sure. stressful situations that pop up. So, yeah, it's definitely not something that I think I could do or do well. So I didn't look into it and go through with it. So Yeah. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Well, you know, hopefully the hopefully the weather turns more active, and I know it will. The next couple of days, you know, actually do look somewhat decent if you are wanting to get out and try and find some thunderstorms. But with that said, it's going to be kind of marginal. And I'm not saying it's in a marginal risk. I'm just saying the chance of thunderstorms are marginal. Right. Really, what? Well- what the bigger chance of coming up this week is snow. <laughs> right. Which is crazy. So, I mean, that's fine. That that's actually interesting right there in itself. You know, third week of April, 
getting some snow in the country and we're in a freeze watch right now for Tuesday. So, I mean, and that's really far south too, you know, for it to be that cold. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting, but that's, that's it. <laughs> that's I the extent it. of it. <laughs> I love it. Well, you guys are looking at cold weather out here in the Northwest. We actually have some historic and current weather facts that are going. Um, it's been extremely dry. And like I said, during the start of the show, we have talked about, you know, having some issues with possible fire and we've been in fire weather watches and a brisk east wind and, you know, all it takes is one spark. So they've kind of, you know, put burn bands in place. And again, it's April. Our snowpack is looking fine, but things below 2000 feet are relatively dry. And with that said, it's not like the long the long term fuels, you know, like 30, 60, 90 day fuels. These are the one and two day fuels that dry out real quick and are still very flammable. So yeah. with that said, as of today, we are going 26 consecutive days without rain. That's the most since 1951. April 17th. So yesterday was the 12th hottest day in April on record with a high of 84. So far this month, we've had nine 107 inch of rain. Normally, we are at 1.63 inches of rain, which means we're at one, we're basically an inch and a half below normal. Highest temps on record in April, 90 degrees in 1998. Astoria out on the coast, 85. And Eugene down the South Willamette Valley was 89. And these are the highest temperatures. Portland was a 98. Wow. Yeah. You guys are just, that's so weird. I can't believe your weather is doing that right now. It's right. just so dry and warm. And that's nuts. Well, I hope you guys get some rain at least. A little right. bit of some sprinkles. Right. And so our current stretch of dry days with zero precip reported is seven. Okay. Now, when you get a trace of rain, it's technically not measurable, right? A trace is not measurable. Okay. You, have to, you have to have one one hundredth of an inch. So we've had 26 consecutive days where we could be in the month of April looking at that. So we are at seven of, of possible 14, 15, 16. 26 is a record, but there's a chance that we could make it that far. So wow, just a whole lot of nothing happening. Now, officially our forecast, which is quite hilarious, I'm not going to lie. Temperatures today are going to go to 81. Increasing clouds, 75 on Monday. Mostly sunny Tuesday. High of 71. Wednesday, 73. Thursday, sunny in 69. Slight chance of rain on Friday. Chance of rain Friday night. Chance of rain Saturday. With that said, those chances of rain are extremely limited. The GFS output is saying maybe one one hundredth of an inch. Maybe. So... We could be so dry for a really hot minute. Make a difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we would have to have a soaking right now. We would need to, a series of Pacific storms to come in and just rain for, you know, a day or two. But, hey, wait 20 minutes and it could change. Exactly. And, you know, we've all heard the phrase, the calm before the storm, and that's what all this could be, right. is the calm before a pretty big weather pattern change. So, I mean, you just really never know what the next, couple of weeks hold so hopefully this is gonna spark a pattern change coming up for you for us for everybody right and no more snow (laughs) it's so true it is so true (laughs) like i said you know moving on (laughs) right you look at last night's zero z run on the gfs and again it's just one model i mean it says saturday 
we dropped down to, like I said, 67, chance of rain, and it's now been bumped up to a tenth of an inch, so there's a, a decent chance. But after that, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days with, quote-unquote, possible measurable precipitation. Those nine days total, if it were to verify, would be 1.89 inches of rain, which would put us above average for the month of April. And that's just a nine-day period within the month. So if it verifies, we could catch up. But I hope you do. Right. I, I wouldn't mind it. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I don't mind it being 75 and sunny. I think it's it's absolutely gorgeous. There's no humidity. It is just a warm temperature, a light breeze today. It really doesn't get much better than this. It's just never fun to have the underlying fire danger. Right. And I'm still guaranteed two days off of work, so I don't have to go to work today or tomorrow, so I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I mean, open a window. Oh, trust me. that it's The, the room has been aired out. I'm going to go sit on the patio once I get done watching the IndyCar season opener at Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama. Um, I might go play golf this afternoon. I'm probably going to go play golf tomorrow. I'm deciding if I'm going to go play golf here locally or drive out to the coast to play golf. Um, drive out to the coast. Hello. Right. Go play golf. Get the fresh air, which I should mm-hmm. hopefully be able to smell by now. We'll see. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's well, okay. I'm glad that you're feeling better and me too. That you've got a little more time off work to rest and whatever, so that you can go back to work and. I go back. I go back to work for two days and then I'm off again. Oh, good. See, that's the best. Like even you into it, like it. That's perfect. Exactly. Exactly. And then baseball season starts in a couple of days, so that's good. And I start a new job, but that's for down the road. Oh. Yeah. Look at you. All these changes. You go, boy. No, no. No no changes. Just new new things that have already happened before starting up again. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But we're good. So, well, now we just wait for, you know, your storm season to kick in and for it to be better. And I have a feeling it will be soon. I honestly do, too. I really, really have that gut feeling that, I mean... Something's going to start happening here in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. It will. It will. Once my pattern changes, then your pattern changes. See, I'm your upstream partner. I'm going to send you all the cool weather. All right. We'll get on that, please. I will do that. I'll do that. Well, I am Bobby in very sunny and boring Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in also boring Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been a great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye.